deep in the bowels of the Capitol Square, shrouded in mystery, you'll find the lab. What goes on there? Nobody's quite sure. But for months, day and night, something has been growing. Bit by bit, taking on a life of its own. And now it's in the light of day. A massive, incomprehensible entity that's already started to spawn. Yeah, and how about those 18 legislator proposals and 30 proposed Elections Commission policy changes? That's right. It has tentacles wrapped around the core parts of state government. It is the Legislative Audit Bureau 2020 Elections Administration Report. Yeah, that nonpartisan audit we've been waiting for. Let's talk about it. This is the WPR Politics Podcast. I'm John K. Wilson. And I'm Laurel White. This week on the podcast, it came from the lab. Well, to start things off, we do have some somber news. Our very own Sean Johnson is dead. <laughs> okay. Dead tired <laughs> from wrapping up his other podcast, Mapped Out, about redistricting in Wisconsin. The first batch of uh, six episodes is almost done. You should check that out at wpr.org slash mapped out or subscribe by searching your favorite podcast app for WPR reports mapped out. He'll be he'll be back with us soon, assuming he, he actually survives the whole ordeal. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody. Sean is fine. Sean is fine. <laughs> Which leaves us to uh, talk about some more 2020 election investigation news on our own without without his expertise, but I think we can do it. Uh, to be clear, this is news that dropped last friday and we didn't do a podcast last friday because laurel had to be covering the news of this legislative audit bureau report on the 2020 election coming out so now we're playing a little bit of catch up and and talking about this thing that we had sort of been been teasing you know for for weeks beforehand so it it dropped last friday what um what were sort of the broad strokes there? So this audit is one of several Republican-backed audits in Wisconsin. Just to remind folks, uh, the legislature ordered it in February of 2021. So this is something that has been in the works for several months. And it's been growing it's in been the lab. Exactly. <laughs> Nonpartisan scientists have been experimenting and adding things to it. For, yeah, for all this time. And now here it is. It's been birthed into the world uh, during the spooky season. But it, um, <laughs> you know, it's one that we've been waiting for really um, with a lot of anticipation because there has been more bipartisan support for this one. Uh, Democrats haven't been thrilled about any of the election subsequent election investigations and audits and inquiries because they say that they encourage the idea that there were things that were wrong with the election, which 
they say has been completely established at this point that everything was fine. Um, but this was the one they were most comfortable with because the Legislative Audit Bureau is nonpartisan, has a reputation of issuing nonpartisan reports um, that folks on both sides of the aisle think are valid. So there was a lot of anticipation of this coming out. Um, anticipation. There's a little Rocky Horror, a little Rocky Horror <laughs> reference for you for folks that... Tis, yeah, I've never the, actually seen that season. movie. That's just something that I've like totally missed out on my entire life. Oh gosh, I, f- I feel a little embarrassed admitting that because people love it so much. But I, I just you know, you got to do never it. Made the effort. You've got a few more days before Halloween. I would say make that a priority for your that for your life. Just flew right over my head. So yeah. yeah, after I finish cutting this podcast together, you know what I'm doing. There you go. Um. So, what was the main takeaway? from this anticipated report that we've been waiting on? So the main takeaway was that there wasn't any widespread fraud uh, from voters. There wasn't any widespread wrongdoing that was on a scale that was going to change the outcome of the election or a huge number of votes. I think that's the the big thing. And the Republican, uh, one of the Republican co-chairs of the legislature's audit committee, that was one of the very first things he said about the report was that it, um, this is Senator Robert Coles, he said, quote, it showed us that the election was largely safe and secure. So I think that's the big headline. Kind of the subhead is that it did point out some things that the Wisconsin Elections Commission uh, did that weren't in compliance with state law, um, some policies that they need to update that are out of date, and some recommendations to the state legislature for changes to state law that they can make relative to elections administration that, um, according to the Bureau's investigation, would kind of strengthen the election process in the state moving forward. All right. Well, we we weren't lying when we said that this thing is is monstrous. It's huge. There's there's a whole bunch to get into, but in as brief a way as maybe you can, do you want to dive into a few specifics of of those findings, both some of the issues that the report raised with um, the way that WC administered the election, um, and then some of the you know proposed fixes here before we then get into the uh, aftermath of what this report spawned politically. Yeah, so um, I'm going to get into the. Um the violations by the Elections Commission and the recommendations for the legislature. But first, I'm going to lightning round some of the findings about um, potential fraud or problems Ooh, that occurred. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's good. Let me yeah. do that really quick. So what the audit found is four people may have voted twice in the 2020 election. This is out of 3.3 million ballots cast in Wisconsin, by the way, all these numbers. Um, 11 people who died before November 3rd, um, their ballots may have been counted. Um, These are folks who presumably voted absentee, sent the ballot in, um, died in the interim, and then their ballot was counted. uh, Eight people with ongoing felony sentences may have voted. um, And then they did a test of um, 60 different um, voting machines 
and found that 59 of the 60 accurately counted ballots and the one remaining test didn't indicate that it was incorrect, but uh, they just had for some reason what they called insufficient documentation um, hmm. to prove whether the machine worked well. So they just didn't want to say, they didn't feel like they could say 60 out of 60 uh, because of some missing information for the last machine. So they just said 59 of 60, uh, the voting machines worked well. So those are some kind of top line numbers on that whole like no widespread fraud thing. And that's uh, that's out of uh, the winning margin for, for President Joe Biden in the state was around 21,000 votes, mm-hmm. right? That's right. All right. Good job. Good job firing those off. Now you want to fire off some other things? (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about how the Elections Commission um, didn't follow some state laws or requirements that are in place, according to the audit. So according to the audit, the Elections Commission um, gave out some guidance uh, to election officials that was not compliant with state law. Um, And some examples of that were... Uh, The WEC, the Elections Commission, said that election officials could adjourn for the night without counting all the ballots um, if there were certain circumstances that made it necessary for them to do so. That is not in compliance with state law. Um, They also issued guidance that election officials can move polling places if they need to. We've heard some about, you know, polling places needing to be moved during the pandemic, Um, State law uh, doesn't have that allowance. Uh, They also didn't uh, get signatures from the Department of Transportation uh, for people who registered to vote online. So when you register to vote online through DOT, you've got an electronic copy of your signature that should be available to the Elections Commission. The Elections Commission um, is required to get those. They didn't. Um, They didn't write some administrative rules um, related to the security of voting equipment and the content of training for some election officials, and state law requires them to have rules written about those things. Um, So those are some examples of, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Elections Commission breaking state laws in this report. Um, those are some of the examples of the ways that they did that. And so I guess maybe I should just, you know, for folks who maybe this is your first ever episode listening to this podcast and you don't know what the WEC is, basically the the general thrust here is that Wisconsin Elections Commission is the state agency that is in charge of administering elections in the state, telling local clerks and stuff what to do. And basically, the the audit found that there were sort of a lot of, you know, pretty technical things that the Elections Commission either did or didn't do in administering the election, um, which didn't follow what state law says they're supposed to do in terms of, of administering the election. Is that that right yeah that's a great summary and as you were saying that i realized there was a big one that i left out which is um another (sighs) i know i know there's there were there were so (laughs) as we said in the intro there there were a lot of tentacles there were 30 recommendations for changes to the elections commission policies 
um, in this report. So 30 things that were called out. So and we're going to go through all of them now. Here I go. No, there's one. There was one big one that I do want to mention, and that was another bit of guidance that they issued that wasn't in compliance with state law. Um, and there was some more kind of news related to this late in the week, which is why I think it's important to mention. They issued guidance about folks called special voting deputies not needing to go into nursing homes and care facilities in Wisconsin um, because of the pandemic and kind of shifted to absentee voting for those folks instead. Um, state law does require those special voting deputies to go into those facilities. So the guidance was contrary to state law. So that's all um, Wisconsin Elections Commission, WEC stuff. Um, there was also some recommendations in the audit that the that the LAB said, you know, th this is what lawmakers might consider in terms of changing actual state statutes surrounding elections to to help things run more smoothly. What what were some of those suggestions they made? So a lot of these suggestions are going to sound familiar to people who have followed the post twenty twenty election lawsuits and concerns from Republicans. Um, there are a number of things that have come up, like clerks altering information on missing info on those absentee ballot envelopes, um, absentee ballot drop boxes and ballot collection, and some of those things highlighted in lawsuits. And a lot of these recommendations are about clarifying state law surrounding those things so that there's certainty about what's allowed and what's not. So, um, for example, the Audit Bureau recommends that there is a new state law that clarifies whether election officials can correct errors on those absentee ballot envelopes. Um, it recommends that there's a law that says when clerks are required to send special voting deputies to those nursing homes, like we talked about. Um, there's a potential proposal for um, setting up the actions and responsibilities, um, kind of the purview of consultants that come into polling places. Um, that's something that's been a big focus in the wake of the election, consultants that came in, um, grant-funded consultants that came in um, to certain places in Wisconsin to assist with election administration and what they did or didn't do. So there would be a state law saying what they could and couldn't do. Um, then there's another one for allowing new polling places to be created under cer certain circumstances, what's allowed there. And then the last one I'll mention is um, a state law that clarifies whether absentee ballot drop boxes can be used in the state. We know that those were really popular in communities across Wisconsin during the pandemic. So there would be a state law kind of setting the requirements for those under this recommendation. So I guess it sort of remains to be seen whether lawmakers potentially actually take up any of these suggestions. I mean, there was a whole other slew of Republican proposed election law changes that that came out. Um, but this is this is more on top of that, basically. Yeah, exactly. And some of those Republican bills did talk about some of these things. Like there was a Republican bill in that package that talked about absentee ballot drop boxes and how many of them can exist and 
sort of what um, security measures uh, officials had to have in place for the drop boxes and things like that. And uh, none of those have become law in Wisconsin because of disagreements between the Republican sponsors of the bills and Governor Tony Evers. Um, we'll see what happens with, you know, kind of a new, presumably, and we we have reason to believe that there are going to be new proposals now based on this report from Republicans. And so we'll see if it's kind of more of the same where Evers has concerns about how it would um, change election administration. You know, he has said in the past that he's not going to sign anything that he believes is going to make it harder to vote in Wisconsin. That's kind of his bottom line about election law changes. So Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on how these are drafted, how they're approached, whether he's going to get on board or not. And obviously he's a pretty important person to have on board if you want to change state law. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's all the interesting, you know, meaty good stuff that everybody came for, but I feel like we wouldn't be a politics podcast if we didn't also get into some of the raw political angle of this. You mentioned earlier that this was the, the elections investigation that, at least seem to have the most bipartisan buy-in, you know, from Democrats and Republicans. And so then you can sort of look at that and say, what were the reactions from Republicans and from Democrats after all of this information was released from this trusted nonpartisan source you know what what did democrats say when they when they saw this and and what have we heard from from republicans specifically because there's some some news i know we want to talk about there that has has come since then yeah so i'll start with the democratic response because it's pretty straightforward um governor tony evers was asked about this um in the wake of the report somebody got him in person he says Basically what he said all along, we know the election was done well. Um, He said he looks forward to a time when we don't have to, quote, continue to relitigate this situation. So Evers basically says the audit confirmed what we know about the election being secure. Assembly uh, Minority Leader Gordon Hintz, the Democratic leader in the Assembly, had a really similar statement that came out on Friday right after the report. He said that it just confirms that Wisconsin's elections were run well and everything was cool. Uh, Republicans, you may be surprised to (laughs) hear, did not have that perspective. Um, They disagreed. Um, Speaker Voss put out a statement on Friday, right after the report, um, he said that it confirms that the Elections Commission didn't follow election laws. Um, you know, he said that it proves that further investigation is necessary. And he sort of and he tied it to the ongoing investigation that he has spearheaded um, that's being led by former Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman. So, right, basically, the other... you know, further further investigation is needed, 
it just so happens I have this investigation going on (laughs) led by former Supreme Court Justice Mike Gableman, who's issuing subpoenas and, uh, you know, interviewing clerks and officials and stuff. Um, You know, just just coincidence that's going on. You should watch this space. Right, right. Yeah, just a little little promo for his... (laughs) So that was kind of the uh, the immediate response. Um, then we got some response in the form, a response in the form of news on Monday, <laughs> which was the Senate Republican response uh, statement from the majority leader in the Senate, Devin Lemahue, and some other leaders there. They said that the audit, quote, paints a grim picture of elections in Wisconsin, and they called for another investigation of the election in Wisconsin (laughs) based on, and I just, I say that because we, you know, another investigation, we have had several, obviously, in addition to the routine audits that are required after election day under state law and, and policy. Obviously we had the presidential recount and then we had the several election lawsuits that went through this. So um, it's safe to well, say, as, you know, as we as we heard Matthew McConaughey say a few uh, episodes ago, last time we talked about election investigation stuff, you know, time is a flat circle and everything you have done or ever will do will happen again and again and again forever. Exactly. To paraphrase. Exactly. <laughs> so. So a new investigation. A new investigation. Um the major focus of the investigation, so I interviewed the head of the Senate Elections Committee who's going to lead this investigation called by the Republican Senate, and she said that the main focus for now is going to be looking at um, some communities, most notable. What's her name, by the way? Uh, that is uh, Senator Kathy Bernier from, uh, just, uh, from Chippewa just Falls. Just it all on track. Yep. And so Senator Bernier said that she's going to focus on a part of the report that said that notably the cities of Milwaukee and Madison didn't hand over, um, didn't give auditors physical access to some information that they wanted during the course of the audit. And Republicans were very concerned about that. So um, that is going to be a big part of this Senate investigation is whether auditors had the information that they needed in those communities and whether uh, the information was withheld or not withheld. Some of that, like, and not to get too far into the weeds, but I can't remember if it was Milwaukee or Madison, but, like, comes down to, like, you know, whether LAB investigators were able to, like, actually physically hold the ballots Mm -hmm. versus just look at the ballots while election officials were in possession of them. And, you know, because there's potential, like, federal implications in terms of, like, you know, chain of custody of possession of of ballots and and all this stuff. It's, Mm -hmm. um, again, it's it's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. It is. Yeah, it was Madison. And Madison basically said... You can look at the ballots, but you can't touch them. We can have city staff show you ballots, or you can look at electronic copies of ballots, or you can look at physical copies of ballots, but you can't handle the original ones yourself. And they said that was because of a federal law about um, preservation 
of election documents um, under the federal um, Civil Rights Act. It talks about election officials, state and local, retaining records for 22 months. Here I am getting in the weeds, and you said we weren't going to get in the weeds. <laughs> They've got to retain that stuff for 22 months in case that there, in case there needs to be a federal investigation into voting rights violations. So Madison said we didn't want to break federal law by handing over the stuff. We still offered for them to see it. We think that that's good. Uh, Interestingly, Milwaukee said that auditors never actually asked to see ballots. They asked to see other stuff, and they provided the other stuff. So there's some disagreement there about whether access was actually denied or not on a very base level. And in subsequent days, we've gotten conflicting memos from different offices within the legislature Ooh, about whether the federal— better than conflicting memos. Right, that's, drama. that's like peak drama in legislative— terms getting conflicting memos on something um, from legislative offices so we've got some lawyers for the legislature saying uh, that you know Madison was okay and reasonable and not allowing physical access and then there's another memo from the legislative reference bureau that says maybe um, maybe it wasn't okay that Madison didn't offer access to this stuff so this is going to be a very evolving ongoing conversation clearly right and and madison and milwaukee both you know heavily democratic cities mm -hmm. officials there basically responding to to senate republicans saying hey, hey we did everything right back off y'all yeah yep all right well that that is a lot is there anything else we want to we want to get into or we can we wrap this bad boy up i think i i think we leave it at, at that otherwise we're truly going to horrify people if we go it's into true. more we've, detail we've left our, our <laughs> listeners deeply deeply chilled to the bone uh, well laurel white is wpr's capital reporter and john k wilson is our resident politics nerd For five long years, the WPR Politics Podcast has been growing, working its way into listeners' minds through their ear holes. If you'd like to join them and let it consume you, all you have to do is subscribe to get new episodes of the show delivered to you almost every single week. You can find it on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or many other podcast apps. While you're there, leave a rating or review to help other people find the show, you know, and be consumed themselves. And of course, you can catch up on all of our terrifying back episodes anytime at wpr.org slash politics podcast. 